if you make decisions based on what you think other people's perceptions of you are going to be, you're going to struggle for the rest of your life. Yeah. Yes. So if you're called to put faith on your billboard, put it on there. If you're called to keep faith in your heart and invite people in and then let them see it, then do it. Don't overthink that part of it because faith is who you are. You're a child of Christ. If you right. are a believer, so you can't decide to take that hat off. You mm-hmm. have to be who you are. And that's going to play out in each of our lives completely differently because we are body believers and God has a unique plan for each of us. And he puts us in different circles for different reasons. And my circle might not want me to come in Bible bashing and somebody else's circle might need them to come in doing it, you know? Yeah. So you got to think about that. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of Still Being Molly. And this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, the companies, and the small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I get to interview an entrepreneur, a CEO, a nonprofit director, a community leader, or just an incredible person who is trying to make a positive impact, not only through their personal life, but also with their career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact wherever you are. My guests, yes, that's right, plural. My guests this week are Michelle Myers and Summer Phoebus. They are the founders of She Works His Way. This is an incredible organization that counteracts culture's way with a gospel-centered approach to both work and womanhood. The glory of God and the good of others is the pulse behind all they create. But they also believe that community is greater than content. She Works His Way instantly connects with women of every industry who share priorities of Christ, home, and work in that order. Over the last six years, they've watched God grow what started as a Google Hangout with four friends into a global ministry that reaches thousands of women daily. And they could not be more grateful for the cycle of serving and sharpening taking place among the women gathered. I had so much fun with Summer and Michelle. We became basically instant friends. And by the end of this conversation, I really think that we're going to actually be like in real life friends. I'm just speaking it into existence, if you know what I mean. You are going to love. I mean, it just really felt like you were hanging out with a bunch of girlfriends, but we we dove into some really heavy topics, some deep topics, some important topics that need to be talked about today when it comes to work and womanhood. And hey, if you're a guy listening, please don't click away. Please don't click away. This is a, this is an important conversation because I bet if you're a guy, you have women in your life that you want to support. And this is a conversation that I think everybody needs to hear. So without further ado, on to my conversation with Michelle and Summer. Summer and Michelle, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Welcome, new friends. Thank you. So fun to be here. I'm so pumped about this. Uh, We got connected through a past guest and a friend of mine, even though we haven't met in person, but we just, you know, we just think that we're friends and that's totally fine because in 2021, that's just how the internet works. Um, uh, right. Jennifer Dukes Lee. So uh, for my listeners, you can go back and listen to that episode because it was fantastic. She was on in the spring, just an amazing person. And she connected me with uh, y'all and I was like, okay, I love them already. And just in the few minutes we've been talking before we hit record, I was like, yep, these are my people. So <laughs> um, even though we have learned uh, prior to recording that Michelle is afraid of birds and I own many uh, many forms of birds in the forms of uh, chickens, turkeys, ducks, and guinea fowl. So we are just, you know, we have all the birds here and Michelle is cringing and just in. She is crawling under her desk. Absolute terror. She is not okay. (laughs) 
Breathe, Shell. Breathe. I'm fine. I'm fine. Oh this God. is the face of someone who is fine. I know. It's, I have a couple other friends who are really afraid of birds too. And I'm just like, They're, those are smart people. You need to listen to them. I don't. Okay. Real quick, before we dive into this, I just need to, un- I need to uncover this. Maybe we need to have like a little podcast therapy session here, Michelle. Michelle, can you yes. explain to me, like, what is it about birds that are so afraid and terrifying? Like, I just am genuinely curious. What is it about birds that seem safe to you? <laughs> I've tried this, Molly. I've asked. It doesn't make sense. She absolutely, though, when she walks somewhere where birds this. are coming, she like ends up like squat walking. Like she's doing some special workout at the gym. She like squats closer to the ground and walks faster. It is the weirdest, hilarious. It's amazing. Oh my goodness. Okay. So we went to um, Hawaii over the summer because we're very fancy. Um, (laughs) This is our first and only trip likely ever to Hawaii. It was a business trip with my husband, but we took our kids and we learned like, I did not know this, um, but chickens in Hawaii are are like full on, like they're wild and they just are everywhere. everywhere. They're like in the parking lots, like crows are. Yeah. It is a normal part. Yeah, like we we were staying at the Ritz Carlton because again we're very fancy, Um, and we are not. So intimidated. We really are not very fancy. This was again, this is a work trip, but uh, we were staying at the Ritz Carlton, and you think like, oh, like Ritz Carlton. I mean, there are chickens everywhere, and I was just like, this is. It's it's not safe to lay out in Hawaii. (laughs) It's it's not safe. Anyway, anyway, okay, we're moving off of the topic of birds, but I am very fascinated by this, and I really uh, enjoy it. And Michelle. Um, I'm extending all of the grace and love to you, uh, despite your fear of birds. Same. And it's okay. It's okay. Same, and- same to you, my friend. I know. This is I, unity. I love this it. This is unity. Unity in the body of Christ. Yes. Um, I love this so much. Okay. So let's dive right in. I'm going to have you guys give us the Michelle and Summer 101. Summer, I'm going to have you go first. Give us the Summer 101. Who are you? What do you do? How'd you get to where you are today? I'm Summer Phoebus. I live in Annapolis, Maryland. I am a pastor's daughter and now a pastor's wife. So ministry my whole life. That's why I tell you that. Um, I started working when I was 15 years old and I, my first job was at a tanning bed, which I'm sorry. I know they're not good for you, but at that time I thought I was changing lives. I really did for the better. I thought I was helping us get through winter in the middle of Indiana. (laughs) Okay. I have a question though. Did you ever put on like a playboy bunny sticker when you went into a tanning bed? (laughs) Absolutely did. And then I was terrified. My father would see it. Terrified. Oh my goodness. All women above the age of 30 know exactly why I just asked that question. So I'm yes, just, yeah, hundred percent. And just so you know, I didn't know that it was the playboy bunny. Right. I just thought it was a cute little bunny with a tie on. Had Correct. no idea. All yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really big Learned fan it of later. Okay. Continue. So anyways, yes, I was a beautiful, <laughs> deep bronze orange for all of my proms. I was fantastic, <laughs> but I started working and I loved it. I remember the first night I remember solving problems. I remember the first paycheck. I remember thinking, do I need to go to school? Because I believe that my tanning bed owner needs me more. I still had to go to school, but that started a trajectory for me that just, I just knew I loved the workplace. I loved Mm -hmm. business. Um, I had an entrepreneurial spirit and um, I chased it. And the Lord was so good to teach me so many things throughout that period of my life. And I'm still a working woman. I um, have two daughters that are, oh my goodness, 19 and 21. So we are recent empty nesters. And yes, it's as good as you think it is. It's, it's pretty sweet. Um, they're still it. very expensive though. So don't get jealous yet. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> 
financially, we are not empty nesters. But yeah, we live in Annapolis, Maryland. I am super passionate about the local church. And so I serve here alongside my husband. And then as she works his way with the bestie, Michelle. So this is that's awesome. I love it so much. Um, And you, by the way, do not look old enough to be an empty nester. I'm just throwing that out there. Not even remotely. So let me give you my best life hack. It's so this is so what you see today, in case you're listening and and you can't see me, I have like a a little beanie on like um, some people in some parts of the country call it a toboggan, a beanie, whatever you want to call it. Okay. And it's covering my forehead. I also cut bangs and that is, and I'm telling you, it's way cheaper than Botox and no wrinkles. Like you don't see them. I mean, they're there. They are deep. They are deeply rooted in my head, but you don't see them. So there's it. your life hat guys. Try, try bangs. Every time I think of bangs, I think of like cutting bangs. I think of, isn't it legally blonde when she's like, she got bangs, her hair. So now your hair, <laughs> hair is so now your hair. Is so now summer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Big fan. Thank you girl. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. Your hair is so now. Um, but yeah, you look amazing and, uh, <laughs> I love this so much. Okay. Michelle, give us the Michelle 101. I feel like I need to apologize. If you're a bird person, oh, I just want to tell you, I'm sorry. Oh. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> I'm a lot you. more than just a bird despiser. <laughs> uh, I am more. I assure you. I love let it. me, let me, let me convince you. I love it. So I'm Michelle Myers. I live in Asheville, North Carolina. I am also a pastor's daughter who married a pastor. Look at that. I know we have three kids. My oldest is 10 and my youngest is five. I have two boys and a girl. So I am not an empty nester yet. (laughs) Um, We are, we are not bored in this household. It is spirited around here. It's so fun. Yeah. Yes. So much fun. And so I felt called to ministry, felt the Lord calling me to ministry when I was in the seventh grade. I had no idea what it meant because I was like, I am pretty sure that this is, I'm too young to make this decision. Yeah. And I spent kind of the next years of my life loving and growing in the Lord. And there was this tension when I graduated college because I got offered a job and it was, it was a good job. It was in pharmaceutical sales and I loved it. And I was volunteering at my church, but there was this question in my mind of, am I doing what God wants me to do? And so I ended up quitting my job and going to seminary because I was like, I just, I need to, I need to learn more. And maybe if I show up and really immerse myself in what ministry is, then I will know what God wants me to do with the rest of my life. And I graduated college or graduated seminary and started working in network marketing, which is what everyone does with a seminary degree, right? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. It's what everyone does. And I constantly felt like I had these two facets of my life of, I had the church ministry circle and the writing circle and the faith part. And then I had this business part and they were always separate until I landed in a spot where I finally combined them for the first time. I had Mm. a portion where it was like, okay, wait, what? Hang on. And I realized like, they're not separate. Yeah. Like work and ministry are not separate, but I separated them. Mm. That was, that was on me. And so I started bringing my faith into my work from a, in a, in a loud open door perspective. And I realized like, 
I, I need you to know that if you are listening to this and you are a Christ follower and you're like, well, I own a business, but I don't put that I'm a Christian loud anywhere. That doesn't mean that you're not in ministry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, being, being in ministry is about where you are. And so owning that and realizing that work was part of where God had called me and owning that and helping other women see that as well as where she works his way came in. So she works his way started as a phone, a Google hangout with four friends, summer being one of them. And so there was no intention when we started meeting of this is going to grow into a ministry that other people are going to be a part of. It was a conversation that four friends needed to have. Mm. And that is how we got here to where she works his way is today. That's so cool. Okay. There's a couple of things that you said that I really want to unpack. But before we get to that, break down for me what she works his way is for the listeners and like what the goal of it is so that it gives some context to what we're about to talk about. Uh, She works his way is a discipleship community for working women. Yeah. And so we essentially exist to encourage and equip you to stop compartmentalizing your faith and to bring him into every area of your life to give him control, to give him the reins. That's what his way means Mm -hmm. of realizing that I'm here for his purposes and everything else is a sidebar. Mm. So good. So good. Anything that you would want to add to that summer of just like your heart and, and goal behind it? Yeah, I think that summarizes it beautifully. We've worked on, it's taken us now five years to really understand exactly who she works his way is. And it wasn't because we were confused. It was because it wasn't for Michelle and I to decide. It was for God to show us and for the women who came into the community to remind us why we're Mm -hmm. here, who we're serving, what they need. And then that's what rolled into who we are now and today. And for the most part, we remind you of what God's word says, Mm -hmm. because that's the best way to get you to understand that order is everything, that Mm -hmm. God first is the only thing that will give you contentment, satisfaction, um, the fake word life balance, which is just a big sham. It's the only thing that will help you find all of those things. And you have to find those things. You have to fill those things so that you can move forward in this beautiful Mm -hmm. life that God's given us. That's hard. There's suffering. It's hard. However, there's a purpose. And when you're in your purpose, everything, all the hard, it has purpose. And so you can move through it so much easier. And these little things that we call jobs that we just try to kind of tack on, you know, to life, like got to make the money, or maybe you're someone who it is your life. Like me, you love work either way. It's on two different sides and it's got to come to the center and be surrendered Mm -hmm. to God, just like everything else. So she works this way. We need reminded of that. We need to Mm -hmm. remind each other of that constantly, because I'm telling you, culture's not doing it. They're not going to tell us that. So 100% hundo P I think as the kids are saying these days, Uh, (laughs) I don't actually, I don't know if the kids are saying that. Um, Okay. So one of the things that you said, Michelle, that just really struck me. And I think it's just because this particular piece of this topic has been really top of mind for me in the last couple of weeks. And I've just, I don't know, I've, it's one of those topics. I mean, like, I've been like, it's been ruminating in my mind a little bit. And just kind of wrestling with it because I feel like I I know what I believe about it, but then I hear something different. And that was whole the, when you were talking about a lot of times people go into work and they separate their faith from their work, or uh, you see entrepreneurs who are believers but they feel like they cannot uh, 
incorporate any faith into their business and stuff like this. And so in fact, this morning, I was listening to a podcast and I'll eliminate the name of the company because I that I don't want people to get distracted by the, the company that they were referring to. But it's a very large, very well-known company. I guarantee you everyone listening it to it has heard of it. And it is a, a large for-profit company. Um, and the founders are believers and often, very often, mix their uh, and, and incorporate their biblical values into the company like culture and mission and all that kind of stuff. And the people that were talking about it were, ta- were, were believers, but they were talking about how they felt like it was messy and uh, that they didn't necessarily love that faith and, and it, that it was being used as an excuse to like make a profit. And I realized that there's like nuance there and all that kind of stuff. But I feel like there's kind of two prevailing uh, mindsets. And one is like, oh, it's totally fine. Incorporate your faith. Like, don't be afraid to make money, all that kind of stuff. And then other people are like, you're a selfish, greedy person if you use your faith as an excuse to make a profit. And who are you to use Jesus to make money? So there's like two ends of the spectrum here and everyone can kind of have their own opinions. But I feel like kind of what you were talking about is like, it's almost like we we become Christians and we get like afraid of saying like, I I want to make money. Like that makes like a, <laughs> us like a bad person or something. I don't know. So I realize that this is maybe a horribly worded, worded question, but it's just, it's really top of mind, this mm-hmm. particular piece of this topic to me. So I'd love if you could kind of speak to your experiences when it comes to this idea of like mixing faith with profit and like being a for-profit business. Right. So I think the answer is it can be done well and it can be done poorly. Mm, Yeah. And so it's not a, this is always the case situation. I believe that what we have to think about is what our motives are. Mm -hmm. And if my motive is that I'm bringing the gospel into this because this is the biggest stretch of influence that I have, and I want people to understand what guides my life, what is the framework for every decision that we make and everything that we do here, and then accompany that with actually living it out. Because it's one thing to put it on your company website. Mm -hmm. It's another thing to actually live it out, which is not going to ever be done perfectly because we're incapable of that. But that means that when you mess up, you you fess up and you you own it and you apologize and you work to make it right. And so I I think that there is a way to say this is I'm, I'm just not separating this part of who I am because it's a big reason of why I'm here. Yeah. Now. If you're putting that on there because I, for, for wrong reasons, and there's probably many of them mm. of I'm attaching this because somehow I think that that, I don't know, gives me a, a pass or I have a wrong view of God, or, I mean, there's so many reasons why yeah. it could be brought in for the wrong reason. And that is between someone and God. But I think this goes back to, you can be just as bold in your faith without having to put it on your website. Mm -hmm. It's not a matter of what's right and wrong. It is a matter of conviction and how God leads you because that that's the beauty of walking in the spirit and being better together for lack of a a, a better term, you know, is that 
when it's not a formula, Mm -hmm. but a relationship, then it puts us in different places to be able to reach more than we could if we were all like cookie cutter of one another. Right. Yeah. So that's a great perspective. What about you, Summer? I believe that if faith is who you are, then it is what you do. You're going to have a really hard time compartmentalizing it to begin with. Mm -hmm. So I think with starting the question with how do I compartmentalize this is the issue. I think we have to start the question with what's something that Michelle just kind of mentioned in passing. What is your view of God and, and who are you? Because if I am a believer and if I know who God really is, then I can't just take off that hat. That's going to be very hard for me to be in community with God, walking in the spirit with God. It's going to be very hard for me to just take that hat off. I mean, think about if you're, if you're a mom, you don't go for a certain part of your day and decide you're not a mom anymore. Right. Even if you're not at home doing laundry and cleaning up and making beds and doing bath time, you are still very much a mom. It still changes the way you behave. It changes the way you see things. It changes the way you make decisions. Our faith is that much bigger. Mm. Our faith is that much stronger. So in terms of attaching it to you as an entrepreneur, not attaching it, whatever it is, I think the question is, what are you called to? Hmm. What is God asking of you? And then you step in obedience to whatever that is. And if he's calling you to be a sneaky Christian, and I mean that in a lovingly good way, I owned a fitness studio for about 10 years and it, there wasn't scripture on the walls. It wasn't the hallelujah place of working out. It was nothing like that, but we became a bridge to the local church because that's what I was called to. It was a place where people could come and they had no idea. And we had like it with all my instructors, it wasn't about me, my instructors, my teams, they were a team of believers. So people would come in and they'd go, there's just something different about this place. And I would just get so excited because I'm like, I can't wait to verbalize exactly what that is, but I'm going to let Jesus keep working on you until we get there. And then I see businesses, beautiful, incredible, wonderful businesses that are like all about the faith. Like that is, that is the main thing and they do it well and they do it for the glory of God. And it's because they're in obedience doing what they're supposed to do. So, I mean, we, it, if you make decisions based on what you think other people's perceptions of you are going to be, you're going to struggle for the rest of your life. Yeah. Yes. So if you're called to put faith on your billboard, put it on there. If you're called to keep faith in your heart and invite people in and then let them see it, then do it. Don't overthink that part of it because faith is who you are. You're a child of Christ. If That's you right. are a believer, so you can't decide to take that hat off. You mm-hmm. have to be who you are. And that's going to play out in each of our lives completely differently because we are a body believers and God has a unique plan for each of us. And he puts us in different circles for different reasons. And my circle might not want me to come in Bible bashing and somebody else's circle might need them to come in doing it, you know? Yeah. So you got to think about that. Yeah. yeah. You guys bring up a couple of really good points. And one, I love that analogy that you said is just like, you know, you can be doing other things and you're still a mom. Like it's just, it influences what you do. That was so good. And Michelle, one of the things that you said just reminded me of, you know, actually right now I'm doing a study in the gospel of Matthew and we're going through right now the Sermon on the Mount. And one of the things, like, as you really start to break down the different things that Jesus is teaching about, and even when he starts to get into more, quote unquote, like controversial topics and things like uh, divorce and adultery and all these kinds of things, murder, what Jesus is really talking about is that those outward 
actions are a reflection of the inward heart problem, the inward heart Mm -hmm. issue. So like, you know, you murder somebody, that is the outward action of the inward either hate or anger that is within your heart. So what he's really trying to get at is just eliminating that, that, you know, that sin that's in our heart, the things that are in our heart, like looking at the fruit, what are the fruit? And so it kind of goes to that point of, you know, yes, you can absolutely intermingle your faith and business and, you know, profit and, but really looking at the motives and it's Mm -hmm. really highlights sort of the nuance of it. It's not a black or white issue. Like it's just, there's a whole lot of gray. And so really figuring out what are your motives behind whatever it is you're doing in business? Like, is it that you just want to make money? And so you are using your faith or Christianity as like a, oh, well, that's going to like make me more money. And it's like a prosperity gospel type thing. Or is it that you have a motivation to share the gospel with people and, and share your faith with the world? You're using business as an outlet and as an avenue for that. And then also like, not that we should criminalize or, or demonize like wanting to make money because the reality is as people who are uh, believers and are good with money who make money can then do good things with money. So it's like, it's not money that is the uh, evil. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. the, what we do with it and our heart and any, all, anyway, I'm rambling here. Um, clearly I have lots of thoughts about this. It makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, are there any other thoughts on that before I kind of like move to the next thing? I don't want to, I don't want to cut anybody off. <laughs> That's a dangerous question. There are so many <laughs> we thoughts, do have lots of thoughts, but I can leave it where I'm at. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things that you guys talked about at the beginning was how you both had jobs really young, which I also had a job really young. And I feel like that that is like less common these days. Mm-hmm. Um, like I started working, uh, for sure. Like illegally, uh, like before I ever had like a work permit for my dad, probably at eight or nine, and then worked for him at uh, a golf course when I was like 10 and 11. And then I think I got my work permit when I guess what's the early should get it like 13 or something like that. That was, you know, I don't know, back in the 90s. I don't know if that's like still the case now. But I also loved to work. And I think that there was a lot of value in it. And one of the things that I wrestled with when becoming a mom was okay, do I want to just be like a stay at home mom? Um, And not that I think I think that that is a like amazing thing. And people who are like, who who sometimes will say like, Oh, I'm just a stay at home. I'm like, No, don't you dare say that. (laughs) You do so much. So hush your mouth. Um, But between that, and then also like, feeling called to do more and, um, and to do like to do work and, and, and to have a career, so to speak. And what does that look like? And how do I balance all those things? And then also like live out my faith. And I feel like women are in this unique position. Like nobody asks men, how does it feel to balance it all to be an entrepreneur and a dad and, you know, and a believer in Christ? Like my husband has never been asked that question. Like not one time in their entire life, in his entire life. Meanwhile, I'm asked it every three and a half minutes. Um, And so I don't, you know, I, And I get it. I get where it's coming from. But at the same time, like women are in this unique position of having to feel like we can't 
pursue work and that we're, you know, failing our children if we are pursuing work or, uh, you know, if you pursue work, then you can't have kids. I mean, all those types of things. As you have kind of stepped into doing this work with She Works His Way, what are some of the things that you have kind of learned in your own entrepreneurial motherhood uh, faith journeys? And what are some of the things that you've seen from some of the women that have been discipled through your work? I would say it always is going to come back to that compartmentalizing thing. It always comes back to that because I think that's why the question that women get most often is, how do you do it all? How do you balance everything? How do you do it all? Because if it's one thing, you don't have to balance it. If it's five things, you do have to balance it. So that's why we get asked that question constantly. The fact of the matter is I am one thing. I am a human and I have one purpose and Mm. that's to become more like Jesus. And if everything else in my life, all of the situations and circumstances and people and gifts and weaknesses, if all of those things just submit to the one thing I am as a believer, then everything happens and everything will balance itself out. It will be what it needs to be. The problem is we're not taught that way from a young age. Yeah. And we have to go back to instilling that into not only young women, but everyone and just letting them know the pressures that you're feeling to be everything are going to keep you handcuffed to being discontent, unsatisfied and lacking in kingdom purpose. That's the dilemma. So one of the lines in the book, Michelle, you might have to help me because I was a part of the writing of the book, but I still can never remember them. But the quote at the beginning of the book, striving, Michelle, what was that? Remember the bondage? Right. So what happens when we are trying to achieve balance is that we end up simultaneously striving to be everything that God has called us to be. And then everything that the world expects us to be. Mm. And we attempt to call all that balance, but it's not balance. It is bondage. Thank you, Michelle. You're so good at words. Thank you. I hope to one day be as good as words. But that that's the problem. That's the problem. So we are giving these women, we are giving them a formula and the formula is setting them up for failure. It's setting them up for this. We call it the hamster wheel on the um, tightrope. tightrope. That's what it looks like. So not only are you in a hamster wheel going nowhere, just spinning it, but you're also on a tightrope and you have mm-hmm. to stay there and you have to do all of the things. And nothing good is coming of this situation. So I think the women that have come to She Works His Way, the biggest thing that we've gotten to see is this beautiful picture of like the shoulder release is what we call Mm. it. Like the deep breath and then the exhale and the shoulders down and this mind shift that helps them to understand I've got one job Mm -hmm. and I get to do it in all of these other areas that God has called me to. So I love to work. I love meetings. I love work projects. I love leading a team. I love all of those things. So I get to be what God has made me to be in that place. Mm -hmm. I also am a mother and I love being a mother. And those kids, they were chosen for me. So nothing that God has asking me to do is going to mess them up because he gave me children that are for me specifically. And he made me specifically for this work. So it's all this beautiful picture. Mm. Those kids need me to work if that is my obedience. Yeah, that's right. Mm, That is good. Some of you preaching now. (laughs) 
Oh, right. get excited. You preach now. What about you, Michelle? Like what's been some of your own experience? I think the, the biblical backing for everything that Summer just said is Matthew 6, 33. It's mm. the verse that we come back to over and over and over again of seek first his kingdom and, and his righteousness. And all and, these, and all these things will be, will be, will be added to you. Yeah. And so it's the whole idea of the world says, Hey, listen, take Jesus, go after all the things, and then you're going to be happy. Mm. That's the world's version of that. Yep. But truly it is seek after God and trust him for every other piece. And so part of that is knowing yourself and knowing how you are wired. And so I feel like I am in a crowd right here of women who are wired for work. Yep. And so it is not hard to get me to show up to complete a task, to do my job, to see the purpose in that. But if you have other areas of your life that maybe do not come as naturally to you, doesn't mean that they're not important, but they don't come as naturally and you don't prioritize them as such. And you don't put effort toward them because it doesn't come as easily as work for you. Hmm. Then I think what's important is for us to recognize and even give those things to Jesus more. Yeah. And to say, Hey, I recognize this in me that I can run toward what is seen and what is convenient and what is measurable and any of those other things. And so Jesus, I need you to help me to see the unseen. I need you to help me to see the stuff that's hard to measure the area where productivity has such a delayed response of if what, what happened worked or not. I need you to help me see that. I need you to be in the moment. I need you to, to open my eyes, to recognize that it takes my effort. I'm going to have to intentionally choose. And so it is this constant surrender Yeah. of not a one-time thing of, okay, this is my new priority order. And so here we go. It is going to be a daily, hourly, momentarily, second by second decision to say, okay, Jesus, I'm all yours. I'm all in where you have me. I'm going to take a quick break from my chat with Michelle and Summer to thank our partner of the show, and that is Mama Suds. As you know, Mama Suds helps label reading moms create a safe and non-toxic home for their family by creating synthetic free household cleaners. And one of those cleaners is Mama Suds Fine Linen Soap, which is the best thing since sliced bread. (laughs) Wash your high quality sheets, linens, delicates, and organic fabrics with a fine linen soap to keep them looking newer and softer longer. You can use three to four capfuls for a high efficiency machine on a delicate cycle or Use four to six capfuls for regular machines on a delicate cycle. Just head on over to mamasuds.com and use the code MOLLY for 15% off your order. Now back to my conversation with Summer and Michelle. You know, the other thing, I mean, and obviously uh, we we talk a lot about in our, in Bible study, just about the upside down kingdom that, that Jesus came to, to preach and, and to share with the world and how you know, but all of what he taught is still relevant today. And, um, for so many reasons and God's word is living and active and breathing. And, um, and so much of what you guys talk about with, uh, you know, really trading the lies of the world for the truth of the, of our father and the, the challenges, the unique challenges that women face as mothers and wives and, uh, you know, working women and, uh, believers, like it's just all these different things that the, you know, culture says to chase one thing and how the typical approach to 
business or entrepreneurship, uh, or even like motherhood these days, it's like everything is quick, fast, overnight success. And it's like, teach your kid to read in 40 days. And like, it's just everything has to be quick when uh, we see over and over and over and time and time again in the Bible that God is not hurried and the Lord mm. is not hurried. And uh, a friend of mine uh, spoke this over uh, me and my husband just last week. He was just like, the kingdom of God is not hurried. It's never hurried. And you you have to take time and, and patience um, through just something that we're praying through. And uh, but we are both in a particular place over this this particular thing that we're trying to pray through, where we very much want the answer right now. Like I just think it would be great if God could just be like, "Hey, here's the answer, and there you go." And we both know in our heart of hearts that God's like, mm, "No, this one's gonna probably be a few years before you look back and go, oh, okay, there's the answer.'" Which I'm really struggling with right now and having a lot of conversations with God about just like, okay, could you just, you know, could we just speed, speed this up? Okay. I'm a little annoyed right now that you're taking so long. Um, but I think in business, especially nowadays, everybody's looking for the quick overnight success. Everybody's looking for the thing that is going to catapult their business. And like, you see so many books that are like, you know, how to make a hundred thousand dollars in the next 90 days or whatever. And it's just all crap. It is. It's just crap. And um, but we see so much of what you guys are doing is kind of, again, shifting those priorities and beginning to think about the long view and what what do things what can I be doing right now in my business, in my own personal life and my walk with Christ and my family that is going to be you know really digging those deep roots um, that then will withstand the coronaviruses of the future that I hope don't exist. Um, and the things that, you know, would normally topple a business, but you're building those, you know, those good foundations and and the same thing can be applied in your marriage and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, all that to say, and I, I, I ramble all of that just to say that I think that it can be really hard to counter that narrative of the culture of the quick, fast overnight success with like uh, I think of Eugene Peterson's like a long obedience in the same direction. Um, it's one of, of my favorites. Uh, I just yeah. I just read it two weeks ago, which is why it is so like good. it's so good. And it was written like you know I don't know what like twenty thirty years ago something like that. And is just I was like okay I need to read this like four times a year. Um, <laughs> but that is one of those things is just this long obedience in the same direction of just continuing being faithful in everything we do. And not and pushing back against the culture of fast and quick. So I say all of that to ask, what are some of the things that you have found in your own lives? And as you coach and work with other women who are who you're working with, um, what are, what are some of the practical things that you kind of tell them to give them the tools to equip them to push back against that narrative? Well, we believe in the local church. Yeah. So it's the first place we send women. And that's because community is vital to our lives as believers and to us being able to live out our purpose. Culture is loud. Yep. And there is so much information coming at us constantly. It is overwhelming. It is loud. It is yeah. disturbing. And we're desperate to be inspired. 
We're desperate for motivation because we're so overwhelmed by information that we, our brains are cluttered. And so we're at a point where we just need someone to tell us what to do, which is why we grasp on to every piece of personal development, every book that tells us what we can do in the next 40 days and all of that. We're just drowning in information. To that point really quick, I heard a statistic last week that blew my mind. And maybe y'all know this, but it blew my mind. Is today we consume more information before our feet hit the floor in the morning. So like when we wake up, we turn over, we look at our phones, we consume more information in the first like 15, 20 minutes of our day before our feet hit the floor than our grandparents' generation did in a month. And Which there is we have it. Just and like, that is mind blowing. But another, would- another stat to add to that is that the average person encounters 2,500 calls to action every day. Yeah. I'm 2,500, 1 million percent believe it. And to your point, uh, both, I mean, both of you, I was saying like yesterday. So by the time when we are recording this, we just had Halloween and yesterday, it's been a really hard just couple of weeks with some personal stuff going on. And my brain is done. It's just done. Mm -hmm. And I said Mm -hmm. to my children, because we live in the country now, so we can't just like go trick or treating in our neighborhood because we don't have a neighborhood. And so I gave my kids a couple options of what we could do for Halloween and for trick or treating. And I got to the point where my, cause my kids are five or, or yeah, eight and five and they could not decide. And I, I literally looked at them and I said, I have decision fatigue and cannot make any more decisions. My brain is incapable of making any more decisions. I'm going to go in my bedroom and I'm going to go lay down. I'm gonna go take a nap. And when I wake up from that nap in 20 minutes, you're going to have decided. And they still hadn't decided. And I was like, that's it. I can't like, I can't take it anymore. But it was like my brain was physically unable to function anymore and could not. I mean, just the synapses could not fire to make any more decisions. Um, So I think it's just it really especially speaks to your point, Summer, of just like we're just faced with and we have too much information, just too much. And our brains are just like, nope. Like, <laughs> no, we were not created for this. Correct. We were not created for this. Yes. And the amount of information coming our way, it disturbs us. Yes. And it can be good information and be a part of the contribution of our downfall. Yep. Truly, not to be dramatic, but this is where we're going. So many times, I think some of the counseling sessions that we have had lately, um, my first step in helping any woman to. Uh, find contentment, Mm. find satisfaction, find Jesus is informational fast. And this is interesting because I'm coming to you on the platform of a podcast and I'm telling you about a book that was written. So like, but every woman sitting here right now, we want the best for your soul. And if the best is for, for your soul is for things to be quiet around you, then turn this off right now. Well, maybe finish and then turn this (laughs) off right now. (laughs) Yeah. No, I totally get it. I totally get it. Oh man. What about you, Michelle? My brain drifted towards first Timothy six, where Paul writes and he talks about how godliness with contentment Mm. is great gain. And I think that oftentimes we try to pursue one or the other to where we think that we can get great gain by godliness, but not being satisfied with that and still wanting more and wanting and being intrigued by what the world has to offer. And then the opposite is also true. If we are 
thinking that we're content in everything that the world has to offer and we have no need of God, that's not going to produce great gain either. And so I'm certain that there are people who are listening who are not sure what they believe about Jesus. And I think that I would just ask you, like, when you look at the world, do you look at it and you go, you know what? That works. That is working. And this is producing brilliant humans that are doing incredible things that are living their best life. Mm -hmm. Because I don't think any of us look at the world and think that. Mm -hmm. We look at it and we see that it is easy to recognize that it's broken. And that is something that we, as, as believers, like we're told that it's broken and we're told why it's broken. We're told that we're part of the problem and that Jesus is the solution. Mm -hmm. And so I would just encourage you, if you know someone that there's just something that's different about them, maybe you even know that they're a follower of Jesus, give them an opportunity, ask them a couple of questions. Yep. Yeah. That's, I mean, that is so much of my heart and something that, you know, I've shared pretty openly, I think both on the show and then on my blog over the years. And, you know, it's funny how like when I started my blog back in like 2006, 2007, like I wasn't a believer. I I was uh, a wannabe uh, comedian and my goal was to be like on Saturday Night Live. And that was what my life was. But then I was like a high school teacher. And you know, I mean, like, I just I don't know, I was like a, uh, like a vagabond just just going about (laughs) life. Uh, But I uh, underneath of the surface, I was depressed and I was lonely and I was stressed and I was broke, like financially just in complete ruin. And uh, I was doing all of the things on the outside that the world said I needed to be doing to be quote unquote successful. And um, all the while I was just killing myself. I was just, I was just running myself ragged. And I got to a point where I had completely uh, collapsed basically. And uh, it wasn't until I, it was the fall of 2010 where I got to a point where I was like, I can't, I've been doing it the world's way <laughs> for a while and I, mm. nothing was working. And uh, I started dating this guy, spoiler alert, he's my husband, um, but I started <laughs> dating this guy and that's the question I asked. I said, something's different about him. Mm. Something's different about him. And uh, And this is not like to say like, ladies, get yourself a man who can save you and get no. But the reality was, was he was the first person in my life who did not make me feel ashamed for the mess that I was in. Um, Mm -hmm. And I could tell that there was just something different about him. Number one, he like called me and I didn't have to like (laughs) question as to whether or not he was going to call or text me. Uh, You know, I mean, that's like a whole nother conversation for another day. But he just he had his like crap together. (laughs) um, And he was funny. But then he also just he was like emotionally stable. And I was like, this is weird. Like you're 25, 26 years old. And you're like, (laughs) you like seem pretty with it. Um, You know what I mean? And I just, the more I got to know him, the more I started to ask that question, what is it that he has? Mm. What is it that he has? Everybody around him loves him and respects him and just sees him as somebody who is just like a good, yes, of course, he's still, you know, a flawed human being as we all are, you know, but just there was something different. And so I asked him, I just said, hey, can I go to church with you? Can I go to church with you? And this was the part coming from the person who was like, Mm-mm, I don't want any of that Jesus stuff. I don't want any of it. No, that's not for me. And I walked into that church and my life changed forever. 
And so I think a lot of it, and it wasn't like he was evangelizing me. He was just living his life as a follower of Christ. And I knew from the moment I got to know him, something is different about him. And it caused me to ask the question, what is it? And then I stepped foot through the doors of the church and God did the rest. And so to me, that's like such a testimony and example of like, what can we do in our own lives to live as an example, you know, in a community, in our own communities, you know, as we interact with people, as you get to know the cashier at the grocery store or the cashier right. at the gas station or, you know, the person who cuts your hair, as you get to know and interact with these people, it gives you an opportunity to just reflect your faith in just the way you are and the way you believe. Because when Jesus comes inside and he just changes you, then everything, you know what I mean? And then people can say, something's different. Maybe I should try this Jesus thing that this person's talking about. Anyway, I didn't realize I was going to go on that little like that I love that you did. Favorite. Yes. That is my favorite story. I love that. I would, I would suggest, I would listen to it. I want you to like do a whole episode just on that story. Mm-hmm. I would totally I listen can, to that. All right. Well, I'm well, making note. I will do that. Um, What's your husband? Oh, you, you probably don't say your husband's name. Do oh no. He, he's, name? he's been on the show. Everybody knows him. Everybody uh, loves him. His name's John. He's the best. John. Yeah. Oh, He's real funny. my favorite. Yeah. I met him. Yeah, he's real. He's he, I, I'm pretty biased, but he's like tall, dark and hunky. And like, you know, he's he just loves Jesus. And he's now my <laughs> also my hot farmer husband. So um, but that's not like what he does for a living. He just, you know, anyway. Um, yeah, no, but it's funny because when when he is a guest on my show, my listeners are always like those are like always my most popular episodes. And I'm like, should you just host my podcast then? Um, well, he also like we met working at a radio station and he. He, uh, he's a financial advisor now, but he originally wanted to like go into sports broadcast and, and radio broadcast. So he has this like really deep radio voice. And, um, oh. so people always really like his voice. Cause he has a, he's a very deep, like a natural, radio voice. natural nice. radio voice. Yeah. So <laughs> I like your interpretation. Yeah, of it. This is my, this is my inter- I have loved all of your accents and they have been my favorite. <laughs> So animated. My Saturday Night Live. uh, I was going to say, it's your SNL skit right here. It's coming out. I'm taking you for an audition. We're doing it. It's my former comedian life that comes out. Now it just manifests itself in Instagram reels and I'm okay with it. It just is what it is. Um, (laughs) Anyway, I've, yeah. So, but I just wanted to echo that and tell that story to as like a real life example of what you're saying is true. Mm. And, and that is effective. And a lot of people think like, oh, well, I need to go out and I need to evangelize and I need to like, you know, stand yep. in the middle of a campus and hold up a sign that's like, you're going to hell if you don't, you know, I'm just, I'm just being honest. Like, no, that is not the way to do it. The way to do it is to create relationships with people and to be out there living and, you know, modeling these behaviors. And this, this is also, this is what we need to be doing with our kids. Like mm-hmm. you can't, yes. like the reality is, is that your kids are watching your behaviors, your kids are watching your prayer life. Your kids are watching whether you're serving in church or not. Your kids are watching whether or not your actions match up with what you're telling them to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I'm preaching to myself here, um, but it's something <laughs> that I, I've been really mindful of because I can see it so clearly in my kids now um, that they emulate what they see. And my daughter now uh, says like, well, she's in that stage where she wants to be like four things when she grows up, you know, and they're all like 
massive full-time jobs. And I'm like, okay. Like one's like, I want to be a professional soccer player. I want to be a kindergarten teacher, a famous singer and a preacher. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I love her already. Yes, that is, she is so much. There's a lot of personality in that little one. Um, but yeah, but that's like, but when she said, like she said about a year or so ago, and she's eight now that she wanted to be a preacher. And uh, I was just like, like, where did that come from? Like, I don't feel like most seven-year-olds are walking around being like, I want to be a preacher when I grow up. (laughs) Um, And she's like, well, I see what you do, mom. And you get to tell people about Jesus all the time. And I was like, okay, maybe I'm doing something right. You know what I mean? And um, so, but yeah, I think it just speaks to your point of, of this all meshes together. Our work our family, our faith, when we're, when we're seeking God, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Like it, it matters. This work matters. This work matters. Okay. So there was one thing I wanted to ask you because I, uh, you know, I, one of the things I, I, in addition to kind of a practical sense is I, I like to kind of leave or give listeners like, okay, what's something you can really take away and begin to implement today? And we talked about, the influx of information and all this stuff that's coming into our brains and all of that. Um, and we don't know what to do with it. I don't think, is it both of you or one of you has kind of a three-step guide to productivity for your brain? So when your brain is having uh, like that moment of, uh-oh, it's mush and I have analysis paralysis, um, what is sort of your practical advice for when your brain gets in that mode and you no longer know what to do. Okay. So I am not naturally amazing at productivity, which is why it is ironic that that is what I do for She Works His Way. And we have created a planner and all of these things, but I think it comes from a place of where I had to learn. So I hope that this helps. We just take three simple steps here. And the first one is the brain dump which spiritually speaking is just the surrender of everything. Mm. Like we get so overwhelmed and overwhelmed personally for me is my kryptonite. Like it sends me to the couch in my sweatpants with a bag of chips faster than anything. hundred percent. Yes. Can I get a witness? Okay. So overwhelm can be defeated when everything is surrendered. And the practical thing that you do, if you're wanting to be productive, maybe you're listening and you're not a Jesus person. This still works, friend. This still works. And we'll get to the Jesus side. but dump it all on a sheet of paper. Like I do a brain dump that is not pretty. It is not organized. It is everything from send Aunt Gertie a birthday card to pick up the kids, groceries, snacks to like, it's everything, work projects, all of it. Okay. All of the things that come to your brain at 2 a.m. And you feel like I I need to do this. Okay. Always when you're trying to fall asleep. It's, it does. It does. And this is going to eliminate that. And what really this productivity hack is for is better sleep. You're going to, you're going to email me and you're going to say it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So you're going to do this brain dump and you're going to do it weekly. Okay. Okay. Weekly. Then the second step is you categorize the brain dump. So now you do get to organize your brain dump. Now you get to organize it by the different places in life. So I have four categories that I go to. I have my home category, my career category, my like big projects, because they need their own thing. This mm-hmm. is why we never finish anything. Yes. Like if you're writing a book, you don't write it all in a week. Right. And then the fourth category is what I use for myself as like my local church, because I serve as a high capacity volunteer. So you could put anything in there. You categorize all the different items there. And then step number three, which this is the most important step, because it is where the magic happens is you schedule it 
in. Mm. So you look at your categories, you take all of the things off your list and you plug them into your following week and you know your brain and you know yourself. So if you're someone who needs a 9 a.m., 9.15, 9.30, 9.45, then my friend, go in there and plug in your to-dos. If you're more like me and that would, I, that would, I would stay in bed if that was what my schedule looked like. What I do is on Monday, I put all the things that I want to accomplish. And on Tuesday, all the things. And I make sure that everything that is inside of my categories gets plugged into a place. It's also a really beautiful way to go, okay, I can't fit everything. Realistically, I cannot fit all these things into my week. Mm -hmm. Then you get to say, what do I quit? Bob Golf, I love him. He he quits something every Thursday. That's what he says. That's his key, right? If it doesn't fit, quit something. And if it does fit, put it in there and do it because if it's in your schedule, you will do it. Yep. That's what we do. That's like our, she works his way method. I love it. I'm, I'm going to interject really fast because you are listening to this and it is December 15th. And that means that we are two weeks away from 2022. This is not just a concept that summer has created. This is a planner that she has put together, which means it is currently available on the, she works his way website. This is a product that is dated. So listen, if you know that you have a problem of overwhelm and lack of sleep because it's too much and it's not organized and you need it, this is a system that works. Yep. It is proven over and over again. We have done a test run now for the last six months across so many different industries, seasons of life. And we have been blown away by the testimonies that have come in of how many people that it works for. So I'm going to encourage you to not just grab a copy for yourself, but think about somebody else that, you know, that you bond over this issue of overwhelm (laughs) Yeah, and get them one too. Molly, I'm going to send you one. Okay. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Thank you. You're so welcome. It doesn't have any stickers in it. Oh, it doesn't have, it I doesn't do have extra pages. <laughs> okay. I'll send you a roll of stickers. That's all right. It's okay. I've got some, I've got some. I love it. That's amazing. So pretty. Yeah. It's, you know, and, and honestly, I typically am one of those people. And I think that it's important to talk about this because I'm one of those people who generally, like, I feel like I manage things pretty well. Like I'm pretty good at kind of triaging all the things in my life that I need to do. Um, And I don't get overwhelmed easily, but then if I feel like it just, it happens sometimes where you get in a season where you can't control it. Like you're just overwhelmed. Like the last, at the time of this recording, the last three weeks, almost four weeks have been incredibly overwhelming. Just like, I feel like I've been sucker punched left and right with just so many things that are completely out of my control. And uh, like just a lot of sad things and a lot of hard things and like business things that are good. And just, I said to my husband, I was like, I, I, it's too much. Like I can't. And it's, it's all stuff that is completely out of my control. And I just if I'd had to go to God and just be like, I need, I need you to handle this because I cannot, because I am, I've reached my limit. I've reached my peak. But I think that that is an important thing for us to talk about is sometimes a lot of that overwhelm that we feel is completely out of our control. Like mm-hmm. we cannot really? control if there's something happening at work or if there's something happening at home or if a family member is sick or, you know, there's church drama or whatever it is. Like, I mean, all of the things that can then just like, it just seems like it's like this ticking time bomb that just they all happen at once. And so giving your yourself the tools and also the permission to just take it to the Lord and be like, Heavenly yes. Father, help me. Help me I- now, Jesus. <laughs> 
know, there's another, there's another voice. There's that another I love voice. <laughs> I, I grew up in a church just like that. I yeah. hear it. Yep, I now. hear it. That took me back to my childhood. <laughs> Listen, there is so, and I wish I could give credit to whoever this was. I don't know where I heard this from. However, I heard the greatest help when you are feeling anxious, which I think it relates so much to being overwhelmed. So when you're experiencing anxiety or anxiousness, Mm -hmm. that if you make a list of all of the things that are overwhelming you and making you feel anxious, but then this is my favorite part because I never heard this part. You cross out all the things you have no control over. And he was speaking to just a secular audience. Mm. What if we circled all the things that we didn't have control over? And then we made a conscious effort to surrender those to the Lord. And then the other things, they go in the planner, they go in the to-do list, but we take a minute to write it all down mm. and then like make an effort to say, I cannot control that because if we don't say it out loud, if we don't acknowledge it out loud, we're going to try to control it because it's who we are. Mm. That really ministered to me. Thank you. You're just welcome. as like this current season that I'm in, not to like throw out a Christian-y word, but like, it's just this, like I said, the last month, I just, I think I reached my limit of just like, okay, there's a lot of this stuff that I can't control. And I need to like write it, write that stuff specifically down. And I need to circle it. That is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I really need to do that. Okay. Can I just encourage you really quickly, please reaching your limit (laughs) is a beautiful place. Yeah. Because when you reach the end of yourself, it's the easiest place for you to be able to understand where God is and who God is. So many times I think we're trying to experience God while also trying to be as important. Yeah. That's me. I'm not projecting that, but that that's what I do. Yeah. And so I think sometimes when we get to the end of ourselves, like I know when I get there, I'm like, why did I not get here faster? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think, should... I think about like the last 11 years in my just walk with Christ is like the times in my faith journey that I have gotten closer to the Lord and my faith has strengthened have been in times where stuff has happened that I've been completely, it has been completely out of my control. And Mm -hmm. I have had to fully depend, fully rely on God to work it out. And then to see the fruit of it, uh, you know, a year, two years, three years down the road and to go, oh man, that thing I went through sucked. Like that was awful. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But man, look at what God did through that. Man, I'm telling you, that was a word for me, but I think that there's somebody listening to this that that was a word for them too. Um, Okay, so I could clearly talk to you guys all day because we're already (laughs) friends and I'm like busting out accents that I don't even realize. So it just is what it is. But we're gonna uh, transition a little bit. And for the listeners, by the way, I will make sure to have uh, Michelle and Summer's information in the show notes, links, where you can get the book, how you can connect with She Works His Way, all the details. Um, as the Southerners say, the details, um, <laughs> not details, but details. Uh, and they, they also eat at restaurants. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, <laughs> this is, these are the things that are said in the South. See, here we go. All right. All right. All right. Restaurants and, re- and details. Okay. I will have all the details in the show notes and uh, like such as. So now is the time where we ask some fun, get to know you questions. So um, I'm going to like popcorn back and forth. Hope that's okay. Um, All right. Question number one, I'm going to go to summer. Uh, What is the best concert you ever attended? Oh, goodness. That's the perfect question for her. Ooh, I like it. I love music so much. Like most memorable. I'm so afraid I'm going to be judged. I'm trying to think through the audience. I will not even judge you. There is zero judgment here. 
okay, this isn't going to be, I don't think I'm going to get judged for this. Nobody's There's an artist you. called Toby Inegwe and he is a rapper. Oh, okay. And he is amazing. And it was incredible. And, um, you can look him up the concert. It was a smaller show. And I love, I love a smaller show. My husband and I go to like some of the smaller shows. It was phenomenal. The entire concert. Okay. No, no judgment here. This is a safe zone. This podcast. Okay. (laughs) All right. I have been to concerts from everything from like the Dixie chicks to Brian McKnight to uh corn. I went to a corn concert in college. NERD. I mean, Kanye West, uh, you know, uh, Toby Keith. I mean, all across the board. So Dave Matthews, I, I'm a big Dave Matthews fan. Oh uh, my goodness. Many, many Dave shows. Love me some yes. Dave. So yes. clearly my, I have an eclectic. We need to talk about music at some point yeah. for sure. And I'm not worried about you judging me. I'm worried about wherever else this is going to go. So that's why we're going to, right. I'll tell you Molly, some of my favorite concerts later. I like it. I like, it. well, you know, my, I have some really awesome listeners who are like, this is a pretty judgment free zone. So don't you worry. Oh, All right. That. Okay. Uh, we're going to go to Michelle question number two. Um, if someone were to play you in a movie about your life, who would you want it to be? Cameron Diaz. Oh yes. You 100% look like Cameron Diaz. I don't know if I look like her, but she's animated enough. And there have been enough scenes and movies that she has done that get sent to me when people watch them (laughs) because somehow she embodies the, I don't know, the most exaggerated parts of my personality. A certain certain (laughs) runner up would be Amy Poehler. If she would just tone down Leslie Nope, like just like 10%. I'm I'm there. Yeah. I I 100% see that. And I like that there was really no hesitation in your voice. You were like, Cameron Diaz, I've thought about this. <laughs> I mean, yes. I All I it. need is I, I yeah, mm-hmm. big, I'm not going to. Big fan. But yes. Um. Okay. Uh. Bible question. Uh. We're going to go to summer. Favorite book of the Bible? It changes. Mm. It constantly changes. But right now I am loving Peter's first and second. Okay. Mm. Yeah. The, the letters, they're just good. They're well, good right now. Well, my life verse is first Peter four ten. Um, <gasps> so that is like, it's literally on my license plate and, uh, it's, I mean, it's in on all the things. So first Peter four ten. So, yeah. awesome. so there's a little connection there. Um, yeah. but it's not my favorite book of the Bible, but it is my favorite verse. So yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite book of the Bible? Am I allowed to ask James, mm-hmm. James, mm-hmm. I love James. Yeah, that's definitely. And it's my husband's favorite book of the Bible too. So, you know. Oh, but, precious. You know, I know. Aren't we adorable? Oh, cute. Um, so cute. <laughs> no. um, okay, Michelle, favorite Bible character that's not Jesus, that's cheating. <laughs> oh, Moses. Moses. All right. I cry when he dies. Oh. Like almost to the point to where like, I don't want to say that I'm angry at Joshua. I'm just always disappointed when mm-hmm. he's there. Yeah. You're just <laughs> it like- takes me a bit. I have to, I have to get over it. Yeah, um, but he really does. Yeah. No, but I mean, I, I Exodus. Yeah. If I need an Old Testament book to fire me up, I'm I'm going to go to Exodus. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, our church just finished a sermon series on uh, called Red Sea Rules, just all about the Exodus and all the things that we can learn from mm. from the journey through the Red Sea. So, um, yeah, it's very also very top of mind right now. Okay, this one's for both of you. Uh, what is on your current most played playlist? On like Spotify, Apple Music, Pandora, whatever. I'm in a 90s kick right now. Major. Okay. Like Alanis. Okay. Oasis. 90s rock, 90s. Salt and Peppa. Yeah. All of it. R&B. 
honestly, yep. 90s country, 90s R&B, 90s mm-hmm. pop, like pop, mm-hmm. 90s rock. Like, I don't know that there is another decade that can top like all of the genres that were just killing it. No, there isn't because I cannot stand country music unless it's 90s unless country. Unless it's 90s country. Yeah. In which case I'm I'm there for it. Martina. Give me some. Oh, that's my sister's name, by the way. Martina. We spent our summers watching VH1 and CMT. Yes. And we belted Martina McBride songs. Like belted. Heck yeah. Yes. Mariah Carey. Yeah. Celine Dion. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I've been introducing my kids to some of like the 90s stuff and uh, they're they're loving it. And I'm just like, y'all don't even know. Y'all don't even know. What is this like? (laughs) junk you guys are listening to these days where I'm just like, you don't even know good music. And listen, let me tell you, keep going with it. I I told you my kids are 19 and 21. They're obsessed with nineties music. I I mean, like 311, Tribe Called Quest, all of the CDs are in my daughter's car. Yes. Yes. We did a good job. You are winning. I'm very proud of us. This mom stuff. I love it. Okay. Michelle, what about you? So I have an acoustic cover playlist that I keep adding to. And so it is the mainstream songs, but an indie artist or an unknown artist doing their, their twist. And so I like there to be something on in the background that is familiar, but not so familiar Okay. That I'd go into concert karaoke mode. I need you. And so to it's share. the best of both worlds. So there's a lot this. of 90s hits that are on my acoustic cover playlist. Okay. I think I need you to share this playlist with me. And then I may even try to include it in the show notes because that yes. is like my jam. I love that. Okay. Yeah. Love it. You got it. Again, very eclectic music tastes over here. So whereas my husband is basically just country and classic rock, that's like all he likes. Um, uh, and it's like older country. He doesn't like the modern, the newer country stuff either. Um, so, but it's like country and classic rock is pretty much all he will listen to. Whereas like, I'm like, whatever, I'll listen to what, like, there's like basic, very few genres that I don't like. Um, yeah. anyway. Okay. And then my last question is the question that I ask all my guests. And that is, what does it mean to you to run a business with purpose? I think it's to show up every day, serving people first and foremost, that people are the point. Yeah. That when you love them well, you will be successful, whether that is in the world standards or it is just in for kingdom Mm -hmm. standards. It's you've just got to go and you've got to love and you've got to serve. And if you walk every day like that in whatever business it is that you're in, whatever work that you do, you will be so fulfilled, so content and so excited to get up the next day and do it again. Mm -hmm. So good. I'll just I'll just build on that and say that. The greatest enemy to a business with purpose, I believe, is the masses mentality. And so the second that it becomes more than one day at a time, one person at a time, that's a dangerous road to mediocrity, to purposelessness. (laughs) And truthfully, like if you will serve the person right in front of you and do the task right in front of you and not allow yourself to think about how everything needs to be mass produced. Mm-hmm. you will continue to run a business with purpose. Mm. So good, y'all. This was a fantastic conversation. I'm so grateful that you guys came on the show, put up with my accents and just shared your heart with so many uh, incredible people. And um, I'm just thankful for the work that you're doing. It's important mm. work. Keep going. Thank you. Thanks, friend. 
Friend, I would love to know what you loved about this episode or something that you learned. Find me on social media. I'm at Still Being Molly or at Business with Purpose Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And don't forget to use that hashtag Business with Purpose Podcast when you're sharing the show with a friend. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If you are a first-time listener of the show, welcome. Be sure to check out the archives for past shows featuring so many incredible entrepreneurs, business owners, community leaders who are changing the world. If you are a regular listener of the show, thank you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for tuning in week in and week out. Be sure to head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, Overcast, Stitcher, basically wherever you get your podcasts, click that subscribe or follow button. To click that button means you will never miss a new episode of the show. And while you're there, would you take a moment to just leave a review? Would you take a moment to maybe share one of your favorite episodes with a friend, leaving a review, sharing the show with a friend? It is totally free for you. And it is the biggest help for me in the entire world. You have no idea how much I appreciate it. It just also helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is impacting you. As always, this show is produced by the incredible team at Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening. Now go do something good with purpose on purpose.